Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art, and I want to welcome you to the episode today. Well, we're well into November now, and the Christmas music is pouring out of my speakers. Um, I'm not able to decorate yet. My wife makes us wait until after Thanksgiving, and that's fine. Beginning on November 1st, I started listening to Christmas music more frequently now. I've been reading some great Christmas books and finding little ways to begin to celebrate this holiday season. I hope you enjoyed uh, last week's episode. Us Christmas podcasters decided kind of at the last minute to do a Christmas podcast day on November 1st. So as many of us as possible, we tried to uh, upload an episode or share one of our popular ones with the tag uh, Christmas Podcast Day. Uh, next year, we'll probably have a little better planning for that. Just to mark November 1st as the day when our Christmas podcast numbers really start going up on November 1st as people are getting ready for Christmas. If, uh, like me, you're in the mood to settle down with some Christmas books that are great to be reading at this time of year, uh, go ahead and jump over to my YouTube channel. I'm going to have at least once a month be posting a cozy Christmas book corner book review video where I talk about some of the Christmas books that I've read during that month. And so I have one coming out November's book corner video. I'll be talking about uh, the Christmas book written by Ed Daly. And today he's going to be uh, our guest on the podcast. I'll sit down with him and interview him about his Christmas book. And we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Christmas as well as some of our favorite Christmas books. His book is a great introduction to all the things about the holiday season. Uh, he's got chapters on the origins of Christmas, on the origins of the Christmas tree, on Santa Claus, on food, on toys, on books, music, movies, and a whole chapter dedicated to Charles Dickens. So you know I had to have him on the show. It gives a good starting point. If you want to learn about a topic of Christmas, it uh, gives a very good foundation on where to begin to read uh, or to learn about some of those things about Christmas. I'll talk more about the book on my YouTube channel, so you can jump over there. Just look up Cozy Christmas Podcast on YouTube, and it should pop up for you. Videos are your thing, uh, and would like to check that out. I'd love for you to do that. Uh, over there, you'll see me doing some uh, book videos, as well as Gracie and I um, occasionally will make a video for uh, the YouTube channel as well. We have a recent one where we give you a guide through some of the Christmas catalogs that we've received in the mail this past month, and we tell you um, what we think might be the big ticket item uh, this year at Christmas. Well, I have a listener memory to share today, and this is from our listener, Katie. Now, in this memory, I'll give you a little bit of a trigger warning. It's not an entirely happy one, and it has to do with death. Uh, especially death of a family member. So if that's something that uh, might be hard for you to listen to, um, go ahead and skip through this part. But I, I would love for you to be able to listen to this powerful story that Katie shares with us. She says, Hello and happy November. 
I have a Christmas memory to share. It's happy and sad. My niece was diagnosed with leukemia in October 2010. We lived far away, but would come back home every second month to see her. That Christmas, we came home to my parents and weren't expecting my niece or sister there that year, as they were at the children's hospital for treatment. When we arrived at my parents, we were asked to grab something from the corner store, and I could have sworn I had seen my sister's car drive past us. I texted her to see where she was, and she said, at the hospital. But when we got back, we were all talking in the kitchen when my niece jumped out of her room yelling, Surprise! She had been allowed a night's release to come home. That night, we couldn't fit all the presents under the tree, so had most of them in the media room. She came running out that morning, all confused, but I still remember her smile. It was one of the biggest family Christmases we had. Sadly, my niece passed away in April 2011. We have more children born into the family and have many happy memories made, but I will always look at that Christmas as one of my favorites. Now, it's a, a short memory, but a, a powerful one. And thank you, Katie, for sharing that. And I just want to speak a moment to those of you who maybe have lost a loved one, um, perhaps even around Christmas time. It can make those holiday moments very difficult. And I think it's so important for us to be able to have memories like this, that we make those holiday moments special that we take the time to be with family and, and to remember that family is so important. And, and I want to say, too, that family is the people that you, that you make it to be, if that makes sense. There are people that maybe we're not related to by blood, but to us, they're family. And then there are people who are related to us by blood, and yet maybe due to whatever reason, they may not actually be people we consider to be family. I mean, these are difficult thoughts, you know, and uh, I, I like to try to keep things happy and cheerful around here, but this story is a great time for us to think about that as we head into this Christmas season. Are there people who are hurting right now because of a lost family member, because of some tragedy that maybe even happened around Christmas time. How can we help them? How can we encourage them? I want to share some tips about how can we celebrate Christmas after a loved one has passed. You know, we want to have that joy of the season. But yet we want to acknowledge the grief that has happened as well. And we don't want to forget that person. And we don't want to forget the memories they gave us and the, the laughter we shared with them. So I want to share with you a couple of ways that can help you if you're having a difficult time during Christmas with the loss of a loved one or someone who's suffering. These might be some ways to help you uh, remember them and it might make you cry. I mean, let's be honest, it might, that might happen, but I don't mean to be flippant. But as, as Gandalf said, not all tears are evil. And of course, the first way I would recommend is to tell stories. Tell stories of 
your loved one. Keep those memories alive and pass them on to the next generation. I, I think storytelling is such a powerful device. It is such a gift that connects us with those who have come before us. So tell stories, tell stories. I tell stories all the time on here of my grandma and grandpa, especially. They were, had such a huge impact in why I love Christmas today. So share, share stories. Be sure to laugh. Be sure to cry. Do what you need to do. But uh, share their story. And somehow or some way, you can write it in a book, collect it in a journal, make a scrapbook, a, a video. There's so many creative ways that we can do. We could even... Hey, let's sit around the Christmas tree and tell stories of, you know, of grandpa, of grandma, of whoever it is that we've lost and the times they've made us laugh and keep those memories going. Another way is traditions. Was there a tradition at Christmas time that they were known for? Maybe find a way to keep that tradition going in your family. Or maybe by an ornament or something that helps you remember them so that every year as you pull those ornaments out your thoughts go to them my wife and i have a couple of special ornaments like that that help us remember people that we've lost and yeah sometimes it makes us cry but i never regret having opportunity to remember uh, someone i've cared for who has who has gone those are a couple of my ideas. And then I found this article about 16 ideas for creating new holiday tradition after a death. And I won't take the time to read all of them, but I want to share a couple that I liked. And one is to have music and that you can either create a holiday playlist or sing one of their favorite songs, create a holiday playlist that contains some of their favorite songs, have a caroling party where you sing in their memory. Uh, and, and again, sing some of their favorite music. So music is a great way. Another way is to light a candle or have some kind of candle ceremony. Uh, this says, as a family, light a candle at the beginning of the holiday season and allow it to burn throughout. If you're not comfortable with a real candle, use a fake candle or a special light-up decoration. And then for the candle ceremony, on the night before the holiday or on the night of the holiday, Gather everyone for a candle ceremony. Give everyone an unlit candle, and the first person lights the first candle and shares a memory. They can share a memory of their deceased loved ones, a memory from past holidays, or a time during the year when they felt their loved one's presence. You decide. It's your tradition, after all. After the first person shares their memory, they light the candle of the next person, and that person shares a memory, so on and so forth. And that's, that's a really great idea. And I'm just imagining a, a darkened living room with lit only by the Christmas tree. And then slowly these little lights begin to uh, fill up the room because of all the memories being shared of that person. Another way they suggest is to give to charity. For that, I, I want to direct you to hop over to Christmas Clatter. Todd's been doing a Christmas Clatter Cares, occasionally talking about different charities that you could help support if you're looking to to give to charity in someone's name. That's a great way. Uh, but Todd's got a couple of great ideas over there for you. Anyway, I'll share this article so you can read it in its entirety. It's on whatsyourgrief.com. 
I think they give some very thorough, good ideas about how to grieve during the holiday season. Um, It's something we don't always like to think about, but it's something we all experience. Don't be afraid to grieve. Christmas brings us joy. And, you know, if if you'll allow me to get serious for a moment, um, I mean, to me, Christmas is about that joy of redemption. And to me, we may grieve, but there's also hope. And that's what Christmas is all about. Uh, Hope, redemption. So don't forget that. Uh, Anyway, if you are one who will be struggling this year at Christmas, or maybe you know that this is going to be a friend or a family member's last Christmas, very likely, my heart goes out to you, and I'm sorry for that pain that you are experiencing. I guess my encouragement to you would be to just hold them close, tell stories, enjoy the days that you have. The time we have with each other is truly the most precious gift we could ever be given. So Katie, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like it was a hard story to share, but I'm so grateful that you did. If you would like to share a story with the podcast, it can be a happy one, it can be a sad one, please reach out to me at cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com or on any of my social media accounts. Uh, I do check them more or less frequently, and uh, you can reach out to me on those. I'm on all the main ones anyway, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've been on TikTok. I'm not sure I'm doing it right, but (laughs) uh, I've mostly just been advertising over there. But uh, yeah, reach out to me. Follow me on those accounts. I'd love to hear from you. Well, it's hard to transition from a story like that, so I'm just going to have to do it. (laughs) I would like to uh, point out, if you'd like to help support the show, please do look at the show notes. I've got a couple of links there for you. You can make a donation on ko-fi.com. And if you do, I will uh, mail you out a cozy Christmas bookmark. I also have an Etsy store where I have some hand-painted ornaments. There's a couple of Scrooge ornaments back in stock, as well as some figurine ornaments that I've painted. There's one of Santa, there's a couple of reindeer, there's a snowman or two. So go ahead and check those out if that's something that you would enjoy having. I've also had some people asking about t-shirts with the Cozy Christmas Podcast logo on it. And so I've been working on making a couple of designs for that. And uh, at this time, you should be able to see those if you go and look in the links. I have a Teespring store set up with some Cozy Christmas t-shirts and other merch you can order through there. Um, Notebooks, hats, different things, I think. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, Those should be up there. Um, Those purchases will help uh, support the podcast. Again, I want to thank you for all those who have made some uh, Kofi donations and and, uh, purchased ornaments and different things. I've been able to upgrade some of my equipment with that, and uh, I'm so, so grateful for that. You know, I I do this for fun, and uh, it's extra fun when your hobby can support itself. So, (laughs) but uh, I I greatly appreciate it. Okay, so today we have a guest, Ed Daly. 
Now, you will have just heard him on the Totally Rad Christmas podcast, as well as Christmas Clatter, and now he's good enough to stop by our podcast as well. I was going to have his episode come out last week, but I got a little behind. But uh, anyway, here it is, the interview with Ed Daly, a man who loves Christmas and has written a wonderful book called The Christmas Book, The Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holiday. My guest here today is Ed Daly. He is a podcaster, an author, and more importantly, a Christmas enthusiast. Uh, And so I invited him on today to talk about his new book, The Christmas Book, The Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holiday. Uh, Ed, welcome to A Cozy Christmas Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Art. Yeah, I'm really glad you reached out to me and uh, you're email I, I saw it I got like oh great this is this is perfect and then I lost it in the mess of my email so I, I'm glad we finally got to connect here so <laughs> yeah <laughs> well why don't uh, you tell us a little bit about who you are about your podcast and how did you go from that to writing a Christmas book I, I was in business for a number of years I worked on Wall Street and uh, maybe about 10 years ago I started um, I don't really know why, but just needing a creative outlet, just having the the desire to write. I think uh, maybe a buddy of mine was like, "Oh, you should you should do something creative." And uh, I wrote a book about breakfast cereal, mm. and it was fun. And then it it led to uh, a bunch of freelance writing, and um, and then I I I started on a really. Uh, a huge endeavor of writing about um, history and his, the history of mankind, really, and uh, the best and worst people of every era. And it gets, I, I, it was sort of a, a lighthearted approach to history. It's not like a, you know, I was writing a textbook, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's tough to go through human history without, um, you know, writing and learning about some, some, uh, tough situations. And also, you know, if you're writing about anything in the last 50 years, it becomes more polarizing. And so I, I was very much, uh, I was proud of the project I worked on, but it, it was heavy and I completed it right, right as COVID was, was, uh, was underway. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, it was a, it was a heavy promotion and, and just, it was, it was just tough. You know, I mean, it was tough for everybody. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't say I had it uh, particularly hard during COVID because, you know, everybody I know is okay. But at the same time, it's just, you know, it's it was just kind of a gloom that was hanging over everybody. And so I, I guess subconsciously, it was one of those things, you know, write about what you know, write about what you love. And maybe a month after Christmas this year, I just kind of had the idea, you know what, I'd like, to, I'd like to write about Christmas, write about something happy, write about something light. And I dove head first and I spent um, maybe three months, three and a half months, just consuming everything I could, you know, movies from 70 years ago I had never seen and uh, learning about every song and every book. And it really just either, I was either reading or consuming. And while I was working out, putting on some random old <laughs> Christmas movie, some Humphrey Bogart movie while I'm on the elliptical mm-hmm. machine. And mm-hmm. It was, it was interesting. I, you know, I dove head first and as, as uh, I, we had 
spoken before you you recorded like i did i through that i learned about the, the this this uh uh vibrant christmas community that i i just didn't i was unaware of so i'm sitting there you know in april working out and having jingle bells in my head and nobody around is and it's you know it's <laughs> baseball season and people are not thinking not in that mindset and the people i'm around and uh, it was cool to, to find uh, your show amongst uh, others and just the, the Christmas community. It was it was a lot of fun. That's great. It's very similar to how I started my my podcast. Uh, again, it came out of COVID last year. And, it, and it's nice. This community is nice because it gives you someone to talk to when you want to talk about Christmas in, you know, April. And you know there's going to be people. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been wearing my uh, Christmas sweatshirt today and someone at the gas station when I, I was there and they're like, isn't it too early for that? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I've never been like, uh, you know, had a tree up in the middle of summer, but, you know, I just didn't. It was more I never really thought about it, but I always had a problem with people who had a problem with, with the complaints. It's starting too early this year. And it's like, who, who, who are you to decide when? <laughs> I mean, somebody who's yep. super into basketball is into basketball 365 days a year. Right. And they're allowed to be into it. And even if it's the off season of basketball, if it's the middle of August and basketball season's not going, if they're talking about basketball, people don't say, oh, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it right now. So I, I do... Yeah. Uh, I do it, you know, my, my ultimate message for my book is just to embrace it all, embrace every way of celebrating it every, you know, every tradition around the world. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. I find it all fun. And I, I like yeah. that everybody has a different way of, of handling it and celebrating it. I haven't finished your book yet. I've, I've been reading different chapters of interest and I'll, I'll get, get all the way through it here soon, but uh, that's what I like about your book. You can kind of jump from chapter to chapter, find the one that you you like. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, in the first chapter, you talk about the origins of Christmas. And this this right. is a study that I find uh, really interesting. Sometimes it gets a little polarizing a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think if you're writing a... Um or attempting to write the ultimate guidebook to Christmas, I had to tackle the, the ultimate origins. And I, you know, I'm trying to acknowledge everybody's input into the holiday matters. Mm -hmm. And I know there have been much longer texts about, about the origins of Christmas. Mine is, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 pages, 25 pages um, and I know there are entire books written about this, but I was just trying to be to, to break down as if you were sitting next to somebody at a coffee shop or a, a bar and they said, well, you know, what, what's what's this all about? How did this how did this all come about? I, I found it fascinating. I really so much about Christmas to me was I just accepted we, we bring a tree into our house and we mm -hmm. decorate it. And I didn't really think about why and how this came about and the, you know, where, yeah. why it's specifically the date it is when, I mean, no matter, no matter any biblical scholar will tell you that, that it was any, any history back then it's, it's word of mouth for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you don't have, there's not like a specific calendar. They didn't even agree on the same calendars in that era. Right. So 
you just kind of picked a date, but it kind of all revolves around the solstice. And so the, the origins of Christmas, it's from different cultures. And ultimately, the um, explosion of Christianity is what kind of turned it into this unified major event. But it, mm-hmm. without question, there are lots of customs that are that come from things outside of the Bible. Right, right. Yeah, and I've heard arguments <laughs> and discussions and all this about um, whether we should even not have a tree or not because of that possible ties to Saturnalia and uh, pagan right. worship and all that. Uh, me, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's it's like if it uh, it's part of the tradition and and I always take it back to what what does it mean right now, and and you know who cares if it used to mean that. I I love the idea and and this is one theme through all of these. Um, different parts of the background, but I like the idea of using light to, you know, to push back the darkness, you know, winter yeah. is just getting started, but the the whole darkest day of the year is like December 21st or 22nd. Right. And I, I love that idea. And you see it running through all these different belief systems of having a holiday to, um, you know, to spread light, to, to push back. Right. Darkness. It's n- it's- nowhere to go, but up. I mean, right. it's, yeah. uh, and, it, and if you think about it, these were, it, these were the most extreme agrarian times. So everything was about the sun and there, you know, mm-hmm. there was no artificial light. There was no, there, it, everything was about crops and animals and, um, just, just survival. E- everything focused around that being the toughest part of the year to get through. And um, different celebrations popped up as a partial, like, let's celebrate what we do have and how we can uh, go forward and, and make next year even better. And whether it's through beliefs that a Yule log is, is inspiring better crops or, you know, there's, there, there were lots of theories, but ultimately it, it, there were different celebrations that were, I think, the, the heart was in the right place in all, all of these different things. And so yeah. to discount different celebrations as if they didn't, as if, you know, oh, that, that's no good. Like they all, they all were kind of a celebration of life and mm-hmm. um, loved ones and, and people around you that matter. And if you think of what Christmas boils down to for most people, it's, it's, it's still that it's, it's, you take stock, people get caught up in their own lives. And mm-hmm. towards the end of December, it's about, Hey, let's, let's focus on the, the loved ones focused on, you know, people you care about. And, uh, right. And I think that that was really cool <laughs> reading about things that happened thousands and thousands of years ago that really the, the seed is planted for what we do today. Right. Right. And I love reading the stories of, um, I know there's a term for it now it's slipping my mind, but back when Christmas was a little more rowdy. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm I'm not a party guy myself, but it's just like they're, man, they're having so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really. There's so many eras where you look at it and you're like, wow, they were really, they were really tearing it up back then. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's nothing else to do. You know, it's, it's dark. That's right. Let's, let's right. get drunk and dressed up in costumes. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, when you're studying the history of Christmas and how it was formed and digging into the origins, um, was was there anything that su- surprised you that you found that maybe you didn't know or um, was this kind of a surprising thing that you uncovered? I did find it interesting that there were sort of what we've already uh, talked about, mm-hmm. that you have Yule in Northern Europe, which was the big uh, solstice celebration. And you have Saturnalia, which is, uh, you know, Southern Europe. And some of the things they were doing were so similar, even though these were very different communities in the way that they were structured. Mm-hmm. And still they, they it, it came down to decorations and family gatherings and gift giving, creating wax figures for each other on December 24th and and it, it just like little things that man they were doing this they were doing this uh in 200 BC and mm-hmm. 500 BC they were doing things that it it's just surprising to me that everything kind of lines up that yes we've evolved in a, a million ways um and technology and everything has you know rapidly advanced but we were kind of doing all the same things. That was the big surprise. And, and then other surprises were like, I, I really had no idea why we kiss under the mistletoe. Like I didn't, <laughs> I had no idea like what, what that's about, but I just accepted it my whole life. And I accepted that we have a tree. And then you realize like it stemmed from certain offerings to uh, Odin that they would put fruit and uh, carvings in their trees. And those were decorations to uh to anticipate the odin surveying their land you realize like some of these things from different celebrations just carried over all the Mm -hmm. way to today i mean we're not we're not putting decorations on our trees for for odin necessarily but but we still do the same things i was gonna say my my brother might (laughs) (laughs) he's ready for the uh was the the eight-legged horse coming his way right yeah Uh, but yeah, I, that was, uh, reading that, that was something I can't remember if I knew that or not. It, it, anyway, it was, uh, interesting that, and then I'm thinking, um, you know, flash forward to the 1800s when they would put the gifts for the kids on the tree, uh, and, uh, you know, the Victorians would, and along with candles, (laughs) burn, burn the house. Seems like a a questionable (laughs) idea. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't read too many horrible stories about candles and trees because it seems like there would have been many. Right. <laughs> um, I I was reading a story just recently. I, I think it's one for my uh, upcoming episode. Uh, and they were talking about putting the candles on their tree and lighting them on Christmas. It might have been Christmas Eve, but they were talking about being very careful and, and made sure to blow them all out after the kids got the presents. So like, yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. And uh, I guess one other thing that, that surprised me was, um, was when I always thought about the pilgrims in America and I thought about Thanksgiving, but I didn't realize like how very anti-Christmas they were and how, mm. Yeah, they were ve- they, they were very strict to the point where they didn't believe they believed celebrating anything was taking away from uh, what you know what their purpose was, and 
you know, that carried over in Massachusetts until the Civil War. There was even when the rest of the country had you know, the, you know, the rest of the um, well, the East Coast at that point what, had celebrated Christmas for many years. Massachusetts held out until like the 1860s. Sometimes the uh, sarcastic side of me says, you know, there's always that guy who wants to ruin everyone's fun. <laughs> but, That's right. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see their point too. I mean, sometimes we can lose focus of, of things, but, uh, sure. but yeah, yeah, it, it went all, all over from one extreme to the other. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're in a happy middle right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's not like I have my tree up all year, so <laughs> it's fine. Right. But it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, it's cool. If you do, it's cool. If people do, right, it's yeah. just, um, I, I don't like anyone that's going to tell you how it's gotta be. Right. Right. I mean, right. if, if it's not harming somebody, then, yep. you know, it's, it's cool. Christmas is, I don't know, it's just that holiday that can be um, adapted and, you know, like you said, it can be many things to many people. You know, some view it as, as very, very sacred. Others see it more as a secular thing. And I, I'm probably in the middle somewhere. I mean, I, you know, I, acknowledge there's there's a lot of sacred to it for me and my my beliefs but there's a lot of fun too <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. look you're doing a you're doing a christmas podcast right. you're you're yeah. you're embracing the holiday and <laughs> in in the way that that matters to you and that that's important right um, absolutely and yeah. uh you know i you know i was raised my, my mom goes to church every day and so mm-hmm. i was i was raised in a in a um fairly religious house but um you know, the one thing that I, I, I'm glad that I was raised that like, however many, however anyone wants to celebrate it, I'm, I'm on board with my, my parents told me like, yeah, everybody does it differently. Yep. Well, another favorite chapter from your book is the one on uh, Christmas books uh, coming. as no surprise to any listener here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you have, you have uh, a second podcast. Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) and in fact yes i i like books so much i had to start a new one so (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah i was just finding too many good stories that i'm like this doesn't really fit for christmas so i'll just start a new one so uh, yeah it might just be crazy i don't know i don't know (laughs) yeah so let's talk about christmas books do you have any uh you know favorites that you came across i mean Come across it. Unfortunately, my, my absolute favorite—not not unfortunately, but it's not so mind blowing. I I I love Dickens, and I love revisiting that book. Uh, you know, every few years, rereading it, and it's like I, I read it for my my son last year, and I was like, man, this is—it's still he just captures a, a very specific. Uh, he he really conjures feelings, and it, it it's it was such an important book. It's still an important book. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've read many things over the years that you can draw direct lines to charity, charitable giving at Christmas time before that book and after that book. And he kind of, um, he saw things going off the rails somewhat in society. And um, I think it was very convenient for I think it was very convenient for the haves 
which it's, it's not so different from modern times, but it's, it's convenient for the haves to think uh, the have nots are in their place because that's their lot in life and, you know, uh, pass them off as lazy if they don't, you know, if they're less fortunate. Mm-hmm. And, and um, he really wrote a Christmas Carol with purpose. He, he wanted to point out in a not so subtle way that like, yeah, society, you are, these workhouses and the, this, this, these conditions are unacceptable and we need to think about our fellow man, uh, you know, do a much better job of it. And that, that book resonated immediately. And it's no surprise that it's, it's been adapted, you know, too many times to count because the message still matters. And um, so, you know, back to something I discovered, no, but I, I, it kind of reinforced while reading about it and reading um, all the facts surrounding a Christmas Carol. um, I, it made me love it even more as I, I wrote about my book. Um, the, the big, the big tell, the big surprise for me was, was probably, uh, twas the night before Christmas when reading about the, the controversy. I never, I never really thought about it. I mean, I, I always heard Clement Moore and mm-hmm. I, and there was, you know, so many different studies have been done over the years, but it, it really feels like the wrong guy got credit for it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I, oh, it it was maybe earlier this year, uh, maybe last year, but I came across this this uh, almost I called it a conspiracy theory at the time that that Moore didn't write it and it was somebody else and they gave more credit, but it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm oh. not a conspiracy theorist. But there's a there's a lot of evidence that and again, we're talking about, yes, this wasn't thousands of years ago, but what we know about things 200 years ago is 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 choppy at best. And even Clement Moore's story, like after the fact, this anonymous story came out two years later, his family's like, oh, yeah, he he would read that story to us. And that and they gave it to him and um he didn't have a writing style that matched what it was, the way it was written. And he was, he was a pretty serious guy that really did not, he didn't participate in some of the, what, there's a New York society, Christmas society, like Washington Irving, Irving was part of it. And he rejected it. And he it was not, he, he was on the record many times, not really being a, a, uh, writing glowingly about children and so there are a lot of reasons why it's like well this seems like a weird match that he would suddenly write about sugar plums dancing and heads and then you have this guy Livingston where he was he was a goofball and he was he was fun and and he was jolly to his writing and he he wrote under different pen names and he wrote silly stories and he he used phrases in this in was the night before Christmas or a visit from St. Nicholas that kind of matched a little better. And I've read enough. And I mean, it wasn't like one person's take or it was a bunch of them. And I, I thought it was pretty compelling. And, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there'll, there will never be a way to know. Right. But I, you know, I wanted to shine a light on, on, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this guy Livingston really did it. And, uh, 
and but without question that is that is a very uh, formative uh, poem on like how we view the Christmas Eve experience for children in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking that uh, if, if Moore did write it, maybe it was like some of that poetry you wrote when you were younger that you hope nobody discovers. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, that's right. <laughs> Who found that? That's right. <laughs> I thought I buried this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those those weren't meant to be public. Right. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. yeah. It just definitely doesn't match. It doesn't match the adult persona of that guy. Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up in your book. Um and and you have an, a good concise argument laid out there and it's um I'm I'm I definitely want to look into that more. Um it, it's interesting. It's those literary hit uh, mysteries that are they're kind of fun to chase down no matter who wrote it, it it's a great poem and really captures christmas spirit for sure another one i really i really enjoy was gene shepherd and god we trust all others pay cash which turned into a christmas story the the movie that's played 24 hours a day and uh, on christmas eve but i i liked his writing style really captured that was one of the only Christmas stories that's, it was about Christmas. It was about a kid on Christmas and barely able to contain themselves. Like the way children that there's just, there's a next level of excitement at Christmas time for a kid. And I felt like he harnessed that really, really well in his stories and his writing style is fun and playful, but it's, it, it really captures the childhood Christmas experience. For me, at least. Do you think the uh, the movie does it justice, or do you like the stories better? I I, I do like the uh, I do like the movie. I mean, he's he's narrating it, and so you can tell some of his best lines is when you hear narration in the movie, and it's it the some to me some of the best parts of the movie are when you're just staring at Ralphie, but you're hearing him say. It's Christmas, wonderful Christmas, the day in which the kid calendar year revolves around. And he's saying things that just the way kids are checking, running and sprinting and catching, checking the mailbox and, and trying to drop hints that, you know, maybe this is, this is what I want for Christmas and, uh, you know, visiting Santa. And this is, this is my last hope if I can go put in a, a good word with the big man. And I, I just loved the, uh, just the tapping into that childhood emotion at Christmas, the excitement that, you know, you can love Christmas in many ways as an adult, but it, there's something very unique to the, the child experience that, you know, when, when, when you don't have many things on your plate, it's this all consuming thing that like, if, you know, in that one, he, he wants a specific present, but it's just more like there's, you can't, if Christmas is coming, you can't think about anything else. And if you're sitting right. in English class, like it's, you, you cannot compartmentalize when you're a little kid, you're, you're thinking about whatever aspect of Christmas that, you know, if you're watching Rudolph's on TV that night, I remember sitting in school when I was in first grade and thinking, well, Rudolph's on tonight. I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm get the TV on at the right time. And it's like, it was, 12 30 in the afternoon i had plenty yeah. of time to get ready but it's yeah. consuming yeah yes. and 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 
you hope and pray that your dad's not watching us a game or oh, something yeah. <laughs> like i remember Dad, rudolph's on <laughs> i remember being devastated i forget forgot to check the uh tv guide one year yeah and i just missed it and back then it was like okay i missed it i'll catch it next december which feels like a hundred years when you're eight <laughs> years old yeah um fortunately my my dad especially was uh those those Christmas movies and, and shows were very important to him too. So <laughs> good for him. Sure, he had the TV guide hi- highlighted and circled. And absolutely, boy, it, we we're we're spoiled today because I I can just go on YouTube now and watch Rudolph any time of the year. Any yeah. anything, it's it's crazy on demand. When I was when I was researching this book, and I would just kind of try to get a a list. Okay, th- these are the things I've seen. You know, I don't need to watch. It's a wonderful life to to know have context. I've seen it enough times, but there were a bunch of movies that were made Christmas lists that I wanted to check out. Like th- these are movies from 1932 that I you know hadn't seen, and everything is available. Mm-hmm. You can find you can find anything on on YouTube or an old TV episode on Daily Motion. There there's just websites that have everything uploaded. So mm-hmm. it's you know, if it's not available on a streaming service that you get already, there's there's a, just a ton of other options. So researching the book was uh, it was fun, but it was it was it was crazy how easy it was to access a silent film on YouTube from 1898 about Santa Claus. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, a guy I know has on his website. It's like a really old edition of. of christmas carol um a a film i think it was probably the first filmed version and it's on youtube so he has it linked on his on his web web page and watched it 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 took like five minutes you know (laughs) oh yeah the the silent film yeah yeah it was like the thomas edison uh productions yeah i so one of the chapters in my book is a hundred different versions of a christmas carol and kind of a, a ranking and and yeah, I, I was able to access that and a 1932 version and then the Alistair Sim version, but all of them you can find pretty easily. Mm. It's 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 crazy. Now, do you have a favorite Christmas Carol version? I didn't actually read that chapter yet, so <laughs> I haven't gotten it. <laughs> well, I it's it's uh, you know I I actually went with the favorite. If you think about all the different variations, so many of them are doing a version of Alistair Sim. And I, you know, I, I very much enjoyed the Jim Carrey animated one. He was, he was playing Alistair Sim Mm -hmm. as Scrooge. And so, you know, that is the gold standard, I think for a reason, Um, because I saw it at the right time in my life. uh, The, I always loved the Bill Murray version Scrooged Mm -hmm. because I saw it in the theaters and it was, you know, that's the guy from Ghostbusters. So um, it was, uh, you know, that's a special version to me, but, um, I, I really think, like I said, I love the story. It lends itself so well. And if you think about the Muppets, the, that, the way they do it and Michael Caine plays it very straight mm-hmm. and he plays it like he's not standing around with puppets. He's, he's playing it like Scrooge. I think he does a great job and the casting of which Muppet goes into which, you know, Fezziwig, obviously Fozzie Fezziwig, but but each each casting decision for the Muppet Christmas Carol, I think, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think there are a, a number of great versions, and uh, 
it's uh it's fun but you know unfortunately i don't have a uh you know an unknown version is my number one it, it is alistair sim yeah. he's he's the gold standard for a reason okay good yeah so we'll, we'll let the interview continue then so that's the right answer oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i i watched that version as a kid uh with my dad and grandpa and yeah that's just that's probably my favorite um but the muppets is really good <laughs> and um yeah my my parents my, my dad especially loved it came out when I was a kid, the George C. Scott version. Mm -hmm. And the only thing with that one is one of the ghosts really terrified me. The, I guess the ghost of Christmas past mm. when I was like eight years old, she was very scary to me. So yeah. I was, I, I still kind of have this uneasiness about it, even if it is a, a very, I think it's a very well done version of it. Yeah. It still scares me a little bit. Yeah. I, I interviewed, um, Gerald Dickens, um, which is, Charles Dickens great great grandson and so he does a one man production of uh Christmas Carol. He has said George C Scott probably has the best performance of Scrooge. You know, he he's a very strong and bold businessman and you know not a, a frail elderly man or anything. You know, that he really captures the kind of man he would have been. I I I think I've I've watched it once or twice, but I I didn't care for that version too much but it's yeah it yeah I, I mean i just i don't know it's it's tough to separate it why i was kind of scared of it as a kid mm -hmm. and why i didn't fully embrace it but i just know that's my dad's favorite by by a country mile he's yeah. like oh how, how do you not love that one the best and i'm like ah, it's <laughs> it's just you know i i can recognize he's he's doing a good performance but it's yeah. just it's not my cup of tea that version of it yeah but i mean there are lots of uh, cool variations. I mean, Albert Finney, you know, if you mm -hmm. want the musical version, he, I think it's about 1970, Walter Matthau for Rankin Bass when they do the stingiest man in town. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, the animated version, it's, you know, there are lots of different ways to tell that story. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what's that? Uh, they do it on different sitcoms. They do it. Um, they've done it on soap operas. I mean, there's just so many different ways and it, you know, the story is pretty tight that you can apply it to so many different things that, yeah. And Dickens, you know, Dickens was amazing. No, that's just it. It's just, he provides the framework for everybody. Yep. I mean, and how many TV shows have worked it into their, an episode or something, you know? <laughs> and, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's probably the most adapted story ever I, I would expect. Yeah. That would be my guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think even more than uh, like Romeo and Juliet. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, Shakespeare's done, been done a lot of times, but I don't, I don't think it can come close because I mean, every year you, yeah. you get, you get probably five, six versions through TV or movies. Mm -hmm. You get new versions. I mean, every year there's more and more. Yeah. There's uh, I know there's a new version coming out soon with uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. And I guess it's wow. going to be a musical. <laughs> And I'm guessing it'll be a, a comedy version. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could be a train wreck, but that could be really good too. I don't know. I'm going to see it in, in right. any case. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that you included it in, in your book chapter um, letters from father Christmas by Tolkien. I, I just came across that one a couple of years ago. It was cool how with each successive year, it got more detailed and more, 
involved. Like the first one was just kind of a quick note from 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 the North Pole, and then he got very detailed on how he would deliver the letters and put a polar bear paw print into it. it mm. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, I, I think that one's kind of a. I want to say it's an almost a, a unknown classic. Uh, I think more people are becoming yes, aware of it. But it's it's I guess it's one of those things that it's it shows that it's pretty cool to have one of the uh, most imaginative writers for a father. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a unexpected bonus at, at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, Dad, why don't you write me stories like this? Come on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Can't you do it like one of the greatest writers ever? Yeah, exactly. Well, in your, in your chapter on the book on books, there's some um, old standards there. There's a couple new ones to me that I hadn't heard of. Oh, a visit a visit to the bank by Shirley Jackson. Oh, you know, I mean Shirley Jackson. You you kind of know what kind of direction she'll be going in. Yeah. Um, but it was it was neat. I I found it. Uh, that was actually a hard one to track down. But I saw when I was just trying to gather what are some good Christmas stories? I saw somebody recommend it and then I couldn't find it anywhere. And I found it through, it, it was published in uh, maybe the guardian or some British newspaper. They published it on Christmas Eve or Christmas day one year. Mm-hmm. And I found it through there, but it, it it's a, uh, it's a pretty good one. I'll, I'll send it over. It's, you know, it's a short story, but yeah. I'll send it over to you. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta read that one. So, um, all right. Well, we could end up talking all night, but <laughs> we better <laughs> get late. Uh, but just just before we go, just to talk some general Christmas, uh, I like to ask my guests if they have a favorite memory or Christmas tradition that that means a lot to them every year. I guess the the way I try to celebrate with my family is very much the way it was done at my grandparents. It was my, my grandparents were, were, um, were very funny people and very happy at family gatherings. And it was a very warm situation and the the music was playing and it was, uh, just very lively. It was not, my, my grandparents were not like what I imagined other people's grandparents to be like. There was, there was Bing Crosby and everything was just bouncing around and the, the house was fully decorated and, and everything was done perfectly. And that was my Christmas for the first, I don't know, f- 15 years of my life. It was this, this same setup and I, I loved it. And, uh, and so I think, I guess when, when I approach decorating the house at Christmas time each year, like, I guess I'm doing a version of my grandparents' house, which is, uh, so that that's many warm memories. But uh, if I have to talk about the greatest Christmas morning memory was probably when I, uh, I got Star Wars. Anytime I got a Star Wars figure, I was, oh, yeah. I was, <laughs> that was, that was next level. Like I was looking through presents and I wasn't trying to be the ungrateful kid, but I was like, Okay, what's what's shaped like that? Uh, that old Kenner cardboard with the plastic yep. bubble out of it, and I, that was the. Anytime I got one of those, that was the the high point of Christmas morning for me. Uh, right, and that was just last Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was no, that was that was twenty nineteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Ed, thanks a lot for coming on and uh, talking about your book and and some of our favorite Christmas stories and 
uh, how this great holiday got started. Um, I just want to again recommend your book, the the Christmas book. Uh, where where can folks find that um, and, and buy it? The the easiest place is is going to be Amazon. It can be ordered through local bookstores, but it's published through Amazon. So the, the easiest way is just the Christmas book at daily or uh, you, there's a link there on easyeddaily.com. That's E-Z-E-D-D-A-L-Y.com. Um, there's a link to, to the site there. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, if I don't hear from you before Christmas, you and your family have a, a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Art. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Merry Christmas. Thank you again for listening. I will see you next week, bright and early Monday morning, for another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. Uh, I'm not actually sure what I have coming up. (laughs) I have a guest who will be on coming up near the end of November that I'm really excited about. Stick around. Uh, I know there'll be plenty of great holiday fun coming to you over these next two months. I've got some more Christmas stories coming. I've got a very special story planned for December that you won't want to miss. Uh, I am so excited about it and I'm starting to record it now. I I really hope it turns out uh, how I'm imagining. So (laughs) keep listening. I've got a lot of fun planned between now and Christmas, but make sure you are taking time for your family and for each other. So until I see you again, be kind to each other, do good, and remember that there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas.